13 minutes it is before 9pm. Yes, we're under the microscope this evening. Uh, we shift from Ethiopia and we are now in Kenya uh, where uh, President Uhuru Kenyatta has ordered the cancellation of all ongoing and incomplete power purchase agreements and uh, these are going to be negotiated with the state distributor Kenya Power and uh, the President also replaced the Energy Minister nullifying uh, many of these uh, agreements and uh, yeah, saying future power purchase agreements with the government will have to be in line with its least cost power development plan which emphasizes the use of renewable energy sources. Roy Motoni joins me on the line. Good evening, Roy. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Mokonga? I'm well, thank you. Roy, you know, uh, when I saw this earlier on today, mm-hmm. there were a few people were drawing inferences and saying, look, this has relevance for us here. Um, and I know, I guess, there, there is a lot of things that might seem unique, but there's some significant differences as well. And I want us maybe, just as you paint the context, to uh, mm-hmm. just emphasize how different this is to maybe what might be happening here, uh, but also, uh, I guess, this, uh, uh, you know, the implication for um, the Kenyan and even other East African economies of what have become very steep energy costs. So, so this is actually very interesting, and these are not being used, and that's why this seems so unreasonable. Yeah, Roy, Roy, let's maybe just pause here for a second. Uh, We've got a spot break creeping on us, so I want you to just pause on that point. We'll complete the point after this brief break. Okay, no problem. We're under the microscope this evening here on Metro FM Talk. Eight minutes it is before 9 p.m. I'm in discussion uh, with uh, Roy Motoni, who is an analyst and uh, portfolio manager out at APSA Asset Management and uh, talking about the latest uh, in the uh, energy sector out in Kenya, which uh, certainly will have ripple impacts uh, into the uh, uh, regional economy out there in East Africa. And uh, Roy, please complete the point you were making. I guess uh, we're still unpacking some of the uh, uh, supply dynamics of energy in that part of the world. Yes, so, so, uh, to so, so you're saying the least cost power plan is the IRP there in Kenya? Exactly. Sure, sure. That, that's exactly what it is. So, so what they're doing now is trying to find out who are the people who got emergency power and should have wound down by now? Who are the people who are contributing to the carbon deficit who need to be shut down now? So what they're basically doing is saying, let us formalize it. We started all of this when we were desperate. Let us rather formalize now and say what we need and who should, who should generate and who shouldn't. Remember, Kenya has a big advantage that 70 or actually 80% of its power is renewable. It's a combination of hydro and uh, geothermal. And both of those are incredibly cheap. So what you're actually debating now is just that 30%. But that, the cost of that 30% has been phenomenal. It's been ridiculous um, and it's really... It's really put on inflation and cost of living. So here in South Africa, as we say, we had, we've always had an IRP. The IRP gives you the blend of power, and that's been debated with the academics and all the experts, mm. which is a very good thing. But now you start seeing things like nuclear being put in, um, these power ships being put in. Those are the things which start to mess the balance. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's where the parallel is. What you're seeing in Kenya is where we could be in a few years if we're not careful, if the IRP keeps on getting manipulated. But also, I guess on the flip side of that, Roy, there's also, um, you know, if you think about some of the other more legacy uh, technologies like coal, uh, mm-hmm. we're hearing murmurs now as part of climate financing deals of more rapid decommissioning, which is certainly going to complicate uh, what many are calling a sort of a just transition. 
yeah. especially in places that are historically coal-producing regions of the country, which might yeah. end up being ghost towns if the sequencing of actions doesn't happen in a way that I guess is sort of re- very well thought out, but also mm-hmm. you know happens in synchronous fashion with other parts of uh, of government. W- what do you make of that? I mean, this idea that you know, the, and a lot of people have been talking about it as we move towards COP twenty six. You know that mm-hmm. big monies can be put down by some of the developed countries, which might, I guess, expedite the transition um, and more rapidly lead to the decommissioning of some of these plants much further than the IRP and even, I guess, the least cost uh, power producing plan in Kenya. So, so when, when you think about it, it, it seems reasonable on the surface. But to me, it takes you back to the point of desperation that Kenya was at. Mm. Our point of desperation here in South Africa today is paying down that $400 billion, or whatever the number is now of ESCOM debt. That seems to be a big elephant in the room that has no solution. ESCOM will never be able to pay for it. Government doesn't want it on their balance sheet because it will make them look incredibly bad. So all the solutions you're seeing are geared towards finding a cheap way of getting rid of this debt rather than optimizing the past supply scenario for SA. You know, assumptions of where population growth is going, where power demand is going. How do we keep the cost of power cheapest? What blend of power sources allows us to manage sustainability and economic growth as well? Because both of them are important. And exactly, a very important point that you brought up was, in South Africa, power generation isn't just for productivity's sake. Power generation has been around creating urban areas and, and development in mm. some of these rural places. If you shut down those plants without an alternative, what you have is ghost towns and everyone coming into town looking for jobs because there is no economic activity. Already we have a problem that as mining dies down, as gold mining dies down in some of these places, there's nothing to do. Now you take away, you take away the power stations and coal mining, um, it becomes a bigger economic problem. Um, so, so I think the risk here is focusing too much on the mistake that the mistakes that created that debt mm. and trying to solve that debt, rather than thinking about it more broadly as an economic problem. That that you have to understand yeah. that economic activity needs to be sustained. It's got to be in a sustainable fashion. So we've got to talk about carbon, but um, we've got to understand that it's not going to happen overnight. You, you have to find other things to do in those in those in those towns and in those cities mm. um, that, that, that you're planning to be deprived of the economic activity. Yeah, Roy. Maybe just the last one on my end, I guess, you know, uh, if we think about the economic dimensions as well, I mean, you know, many economies built across the world, least of all this one here, on cheap energy. Uh, yeah. And a big part of the debate in Kenya, which is also a debate here at home. I mean, if you look at the results right. of ESCOM, renewable energy is much more expensive than some of the other options. I mean, even something like gas in, in, in many instances is a bit more expensive than what we might be getting from a coal perspective. Um, have they struck the right balance here? I mean, this decision by uh, President Kenyatta, has, has it struck the right balance? And does it, I guess, uh, go some way in uh, giving some assurance to yourselves as uh, people in the world of money that, you know, there's, there's going to be some energy security in that East African economy. You see, for Kenya, Kenya is in a different dimension from South Africa. Like I said, geothermal is 99% reliable. Um, it's, it's hot air that comes from the ground, from lava fields, deep, deep under the ground, um, and, and, that, and that is renewable. 
So its cost of production is incredibly low. You dig the, when you dig the hole and the steam comes out, um, it's very low to produce. So, so for them, they can continue investing in that and they don't have a problem. Hydroelectric power is incredibly cheap, but the problem is as global warming happens, you have more drought mm. um, and it becomes less reliable. South Africa has the other problem, which is it's coal that is more abundant here as opposed to hydro and geothermal. Sure, there, sure. But coal is the source of the problem. So, mm. so how, how, how do you balance between cheap, abundant local energy that's derived from coal and the fact that you want to be more sustainable um, by, by transitioning to, to, to more renewable energy sources? which will cost because you have to put down the capital mm. and also deprive yourself of the advantage that you have with the cheap coal. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be easy. Mm. Roy, There's no simple solution. I am glad I'm not the one who's having to undertake that balancing act. But I want to thank you for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much thank for your you time. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Have a good evening. Take care. Roy Motoni.